0: Hello and welcome to the Hacked Off podcast. In today's episode, I've got Dan with me. Dan, who on earth are you?
1: Uh, I'm Dan Prince. I'm a senior lecturer at Lancaster University. I'm also the course director uh, for the RMSE in cybersecurity um, and i have a various a number of other hats uh in our cybersecurity research center and our academic center of excellence in cybersecurity uh, education all three of which are certified or credited by the ncse uh, and i primarily focus on doing uh but focus on teaching uh, and also engagement but my kind of research area is around risk cyber risk management and cyber threat intelligence built up on a kind of a background of network security and uh, network protocols.
0: So the first question that we've prepared for this is, how do you prepare the next generation for cyber threats that might not even exist yet?
1: So it's interesting because I get asked that quite a lot when, we're, when we when we're designing the program and always get thrown uh, this, well, cybersecurity is moving so fast and technology is moving so fast. So how can you stay on top top of it all the time? And then I kind of reflect on that and say, well, actually, a lot of the, the technologies that we're using are decades old. And those, those principles of how they work are, are still underlying uh, a lot of the technologies, even the new technologies, right? Um, you know, whether it's a web application, well, it's still using the web. It's still using IP, whatever that might be. And then you think about, and I look at the the attacks um, and then these new threats that keep emerging, by and large, they're the kind of same tools and techniques that are targeting the technology, whether the technology is advanced or not, trying to teach those core concepts, but then layering on top of that, this idea that we want to develop agile and critical thinkers so that they can apply those kind of common concepts in new and interesting ways to understand those threats is much better, in my view, than just going, well, this is the threat you have to learn. This is the next threat you have to learn, because that's not going to create the ability in the, the cybersecurity workforce to be able to respond when they don't, well, when they see something that they don't understand or haven't seen before. Um, you want to be able to instill in them their drive to learn and to think about the problem and to you know fancy words synthesize all the things that they know but then also go out and get the new knowledge that they need to to respond to 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 these threats as they come along
0: yeah that's definitely something that that i know i've said before in regards to cybersecurity in general where people say like oh how do you how do you keep up to date with it and it's like well it doesn't fundamentally change you know um injection is injection okay Whilst sql injection has been around since what 1998 uh are new types of injection but you know the the process from from the attacker's point of view doesn't fundamentally change
1: no they they still have to get at you off across the network or get in your building right um or they have to send you send you something that you you know it's either the internet sneaking it or knocking your door down right those are the basic ways to to, to get into your into your facility, onto your network. Um, and it is, it is really interesting. And and so I, I spend a lot of time thinking about what are the core principles we should be teaching as, as a university, right? And and often when I'm talking to, to industry, they're like, oh, are you teaching this fancy new technique or whatever it is? And I'm like, well, that's the same as the old technique. What do you really want? Somebody who knows that but by the time they graduate, because our master's degree is a year, that's old hat. Or somebody who knows the underlying principles and go, actually that threat looks a little bit like this, so I've got now got a good starting point, but I've also got the skill set to go. That starting point, I know where to go next to try and fix the problem. Um, so that's that's the kind of kind of passion I try and instill in in the students that I work with, which is, you know, understand your core principles, but never be afraid to question and always have a drive to learn.
0: How do, uh, how do the courses handle the, the range of roles within cyber? I, I know very often when, when we talk about it, even on this podcast, we're guilty of it. We pretend like cybersecurity is, you're either a pen tester or a SOC analyst, but it, there's, there's much more to it than that, right? So how do you um, cover different roles within the content?
1: Well, so when I set up the master's degree 10 years ago, so this is actually our 10th, 10th year, um, we were looking around at you know, effectively our competitors and, and, and seeing what else was out there, and they were all very, very technology focused, really good high quality technology focused degrees, um, looking at kind of systems design, um, cryptography was a big thing and then, and it was also at the point where you know information security was really be, becoming a thing that um, universities should should teach and we also read a lot of people, big, big names in, in the industry, and they were saying, well, actually, what we really want is people who can work across you know, the technology and the business. So when we sat down and designed the program, we deliberately didn't design it as a technical program. In actual fact, out of the eight taught modules, there are only uh, three technical modules, which are system design, pen testing and forensics the rest are you know, basically multi, um, uh, multidisciplinary. So we have management, we have risk management, which is the course that I taught, which is kind of developed to include a bit more cyber threat intelligence. We have cyber crime from sociology, we have international relations, and we have law. And, and the reason, again, is the critical thinking, right? So each one of those diff- disciplines has a very different way of thinking about a problem. Um, so, you know, by and large, when you get a good computer science graduate, they think very black and white. It's very binary, right? It's either the right or the wrong answer, and they're always wanting you to have the right or wrong answer. But when you get into the social sciences and you start to talk to them about what is the right and wrong answer, they they don't do that. They have a you know they they are comfortable with the gray discussions. Um, and so one of the things I'm finding through the graduates that we produce is they are really comfortable with those gray discussions sitting around security because there is no right and wrong answer for security, right? It's all con- contextual and it's all dependent on the context in which you need to deploy that security. So again, it comes down to that kind of agile thinking, that critical thinking and instilling that in the in the students. So we're very fortunate having this multidisciplinary program that they they tackle all of these different disciplines and ways of thinking from law, sociology, international relations through to to technology and management so that they are able to respond. But importantly, it also gives them the dictionary for each one of those, right? And so helping them to go, well, actually, how would I discuss cybercrime outside of a technical context with law enforcement? Well, they've got that dictionary so that they can actually also work as a translator. Um, and so so those are the kind of the the, the key things f- for me is building that flexibility, giving them, an, again, kind of a core set of tools from multiple disciplines, and then teaching them or giving them the experience to use them in different ways. And I certainly see, because we mix it up, I certainly see from the start, you know, the technical writing is very black and white in, in terms of the way they respond. But then by the end, when they're answering technical questions, say in penetration testing, you know, they come back with the classic answer it depends right and and that's that's what you want i mean so this year we set the question which is topical given some of the news for our systems design course which is a research uh, uh, essay you know basically talk about the the issues around legitimate backdoor access to to cryptographic communications right um and so they had to go away and research it and you know, if you set that question right at the very start when they came out of an undergraduate, they'll be very much like you can either provide it and it works or you can't. And, you know, they they really fall down into those categories. But then afterwards, after a few social science courses, they kind of go, well, actually, I understand the complexity and the nuance. It's not just about the technology. It's about the policy. It's about the governance. It's about the society. It's around how all these things come together to to cr- try and create uh, or creates the, the the context in which we operate.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the big things that's often missed out where, when uh, concentrating on things like uh, offensive capabilities or so penetration testing, um, we often just talk about like the capability in terms of like, oh, we can hack this system or not. And very often, from the pen testing side of things, their focus is very narrow. I've uh, recently been doing some, some job interviews for, for an open position that we've got as a pen tester. And one of the things that I noticed through those interviews is pen testers are very are often very inexperienced about talking about denial of service risks, because we don't typically do denial of service attacks as part of a pen test. Mm. So it's not something that they, they focus on. It's not within their area. But Linking that into what you were saying about the social side of things and the kind of um, gray area, that 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 is always a discussion that I like having in terms of like working out individually, where is the line? I mean, for some people, it's in the very least is like realizing that there is a line, but it's like you know, would would you use an offensive capability? So, I mean, hacking skill with that, you know, to hack into an organization. Well, it's like, yeah, typically I would do that, you know, if they're paying for a penetration test or something, that's fine. It's like, okay, well, would you use a a technical capability for a government? It's like, well, you know, for the government, for anti-terror related activities and things like that, that makes sense. And then you, you start moving over where it's like, yeah well which government <laughs> you know because yeah. presumably for most people there's a distinction between the work that they would comfortably do for their own government and then you know pick some third party country you know
1: yeah and i well i mean just picking up on that it kind of yeah, I, we're right in the middle of um the, the students starting their in-depth dissertation like a big project which makes up a third of their degree at the moment uh and one of the things i'm i'm working through is the kind of the ethics with them right and and Try uh, basically, this year, we're requiring every project to to complete an ethics assessment, not just those kind of traditional ones where you're kind of interviewing people or you're collecting data and those things. Because yeah. so much of the stuff that you do in, in cybersecurity may have a long-term ethical implication, right? So, you know, straightforward project, want to build a, a network steganography communications channel. Great really interesting and you're doing it because you want to understand that communication so that you can build a detection tool for it or that new technique you're going to make that open source somebody's going to come along and go that's a good idea and and use that in a way that you hadn't necessarily thought about so again just trying to help the students to understand and anybody to understand the, the longer term implications of their work and and how it may impact on the community that you're working with I, it's a you know for me it's really really interesting and and specifically seeing how the broad security community ha- has started to mature from you know it it's all about cryptography through it's all about data and infosec now it's all about well actually we've got to come back to think about the systems as well um, because the system resource is just as important as the data and and uh, and then just the layering the maturity on top of that as a profession is really. Uh, really interesting and and having these more nuanced conversations um, uh, is really, really quite exciting, a really quite exciting time for the moment. And and then obviously within the UK context, seeing such a massive push from the the UK government uh, in terms of putting cybersecurity front and center the the economic welfare of the uh, the nation, again, gives that community much more legitimacy, I guess, and I don't want to say it brings us out of the shadows, but it kind of goes, well, actually, what we do publicly is much more important. And it's not just the nonsense you see on CSI Cyber, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Two people typing on one keyboard. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, that type, of, that type of thing. And, you know, all, all these holographic displays and, you know, be, being able to hack an airplane remotely, whatever it is, you know, that, that's all that nonsense.
0: Like that... Um... That documentary from 1995 with Angelina Jolie, Hackers. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That well, you know, that's that's that's. I mean, that's that's gospel, right? I mean, that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That well, I mean, I go go back beyond that. I mean, I just, um, I watched uh, the Robert Redford sneakers uh, mm. film. i, I yeah. that is. I mean, part for the stuff to to create the kind of the story, you know, the the magic box that works the tools and techniques they use is just like it's super i mean it's it's actually really really good Re- a really authentic kind of film obviously they like, things that take t- 20 days you know 2 minutes kind of stuff but yeah it's a lot of social engineering as well as the technology stuff that goes towards a good compromise and one of the things that's really interesting about that film and, and a couple of others is which I feel like sometimes some of the technical community forgets is it's not about the hack of the system. It's about the effect that you want to achieve, right? So what you take down the website, but does that mean you've disrupted the business or in, in a specific way? And 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 that's one of the things I think one of your points you said earlier. Yeah, so you can do the technology, but why would you? Yeah, You can do a denial of service, but why would you? How do, what does that actually achieve for you? Yeah, you, you can you can, you know, you can launch an injection attack, but does that actually achieve a goal that makes sense for the type of threat actor that you are?
0: Yeah. And and also the, the depth required from the, uh, the threat actors point of view versus the goal is often out of alignment with expectations. I know certainly from the penetration testing side of things, customers, very often expect us to to see how far into a system we can go like oh we must get a domain administrator of this network or something like that like that's fine and we do that all the time and that's a lot of fun but if you're not doing objective-led pen testing, and you're not looking at like what is it that we're trying to simulate from this or what is it that we're trying to demonstrate it's like does a ransomware crew need domain admin to have a significant impact? Probably not. Can you have a significant impact just by defacing a website where all you're going to do is compromise one system, not the entire network? Uh, And sometimes those kinds of uh, offensive security tests are are out of alignment. And of of course, a part of that is because a lot of those offensive security tests are delivering what the customer asks for, not necessarily the the true context of the threat landscape.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the... One of my favourite teaching tools is the classic XKCD cartoon. You can't have an IT or computer science related degree without at least one slide from XKCD. But you know, it's like it's two two panels. One is got this really complicated password. We'll get this supercomputer to crack it, and then the next one is, you know, I'll go and get the pipe kind of thing and, and beat beat him up. Or you know, you know the other classic yeah. is we will go and give him a bar of chocolate. And it's it's interesting because. Everything's every solution's a tech, a technology solution, right? If you've got a hammer, every everything's a nail, kind of thing. Um, and I think one of the key things good cyber cybersecurity people do, particularly in 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 both the testing and in the response, is to think differently or have the ability to think slightly laterally and go, well, actually, how how would I do this in the least costly way, right? Um, yeah. You know, because criminal gangs may have a lot of money, but probably the attackers that they've hired probably don't. So they're going to be, well, how can I I be cost effective here? How can I achieve this with the minimum amount of my effort, right? You know, people are inherently lazy. You know, it's not like, oh, I need to get into this. I'm going to spend three months writing some code to do it. It's like, well, how, how can I do this? And if I can't do it within a day, then I might move on, right?
0: yeah the the mindset thing is is so key though because um I was talking to a customer uh, recently and they they were they had a, a kind of set list of what they considered like threat actors right It's like these are the groups that we are trying to protect against, and I mean this generically like um, script kiddie you know um cyber criminal gang, those kinds of things and they had insider threat as disgruntled employee and only disgruntled employee, and it's like uh what if I just give one of your employees a thousand pounds? It's yeah, like, they're not necessarily disgruntled. That is just a bribe. And I, I was linking back to the the AT and T breach, which was a a significant breach. It was a breach over five years. One of their call center workers uh was paid just over four hundred and sixty thousand dollars over five years, which is about sixty five thousand pounds a year if you were to average it. And it's just like, how many of your employees would do basically anything for a cyber yeah. criminal group if they're just like, here's sixty grand. What's your password?
1: Well, I mean, so, so one of the other things we have at Lancaster is the um, uh, Centre for Research and Evidence in Security Threats. So this is a UK intelligence services funded research centre, which works with a number of other universities. And they commissioned projects. And one of the projects they commissioned a couple of years ago was to look at the impact of organisational change. And it was interesting that they found or they developed a framework for understanding how organisational change creates the opportunity for people to become insider threat right so you know what we deem to be a normal business process you know change the organization right they they found you know it kind of related to disgruntled employee but it's not just about being a disgruntled employee it creates pathways it creates opportunities for those either to become self-actuating insider threats or to be targeted to become um, insider threats and so they developed a framework to, to understand that so again it's not just oh i'm cheesed off bosses asked me to work on saturday again it's you know we're disrupting the organization that creates uncertainty for a variety of people that uncertainty allows them to be exploited or or to exploit the situation depending on on, on who they are so it's a again it's not just about when you're thinking about cybersecurity. It's not just thinking about the technology or the information. It's about thinking about the the people. And, and that, that was one of the other things that we really wanted to try and capture when we were developing the program all those years ago was, yeah, it's a funny story. We, originally, 10 years ago, we wanted to call it holistic security, right? But we, we weren't allowed to because it was thought to be a little bit too hippie, right? Um, because we were really trying to come up with a term that captured this whole Interface between people, technology, information, and society. and that's why we ended up with with cybersecurity. So for us, cybersecurity is that kind of that that relationship between all of them. And I know a lot of people say, well, cyber security is just information security and I, and that's not not really the way I see it. and I know a lot of people uh, do see it that way, but I just think that cybersecurity is that nexus of of all of these things coming together and how do we how do we use that to protect or or how do we use that to understand these implications for for modern life really
0: yeah i think uh, reasonable adults will always disagree on terminology as well won't they yeah you mentioned earlier um, the ncse's involvement within the courses was it um, accredited was that the term that you use what what is that
1: yes yeah, so probably about 8 8 or 9 years ago i can't remember exactly it's part of the government strategy at the time they developed a national cybersecurity strategy. And it was really kind of a key part of the NCSC or GCHQ coming out of the shadows and becoming much more forthright. We had the kind of the UK cert, um, but it kind of established the NCSC as the UK cert and and it took kind of over that role. But one of the key things that it tasked the NCSC and GCHQ with was understanding the community and the the capability within, within the UK. So one of the things they started out doing well the first thing they started out doing was looking for centers of excellence in cybersecurity research so academic centers of excellence so they went around and basically we had to demonstrate to them through a submission process that we had enough capability in terms of research excellence and critical mass of staff and that the university is continually invested in that so that was that was the starting point and that that happened just after a couple of years after we started up the the MSc so you know, we applied for it. We were very we were lucky. We got it. we were one of the first date. So that recognized where there were pockets of excellence in cybersecurity research within academia. And it, it acted as a really good signpost to engage with companies so that companies knew where to go for, for, for this type of stuff. Uh, and then subsequently, they started up the scheme to certify degree schemes. And primarily that was around master's degrees. To say, well, actually, are you delivering a really good quality cybersecurity education? And again, you know, we we went in for that. We submitted the the documentation. And we were lucky enough to to get accredited, and we've just been recertified, which is which is really good. Uh, so again, we were one of the first in the UK to get that, and that recognises that we're teaching a depth and a breadth of uh, of cybersecurity knowledge, which is appropriate, and and again, the university is investing in it. One of the things that's been really interesting in this recertification process is, well, it's interesting for me, is um <laughs> there's a there's a project called the Cyber Body of Knowledge, which is a you know, I would say a reasonably world-leading attempt to kind of try and define the things that make up cyber security. And that's uh, led out of Bristol by an ex-Lancaster colleague called Avais Rashid. And it's you know, it's an open setup where people write these domain documents, and then they can be criticised and uh, critiqued and and, and enhanced. And it's kind of an evolving programme to try and help define what we mean by cybersecurity. So we use that as well to map our programme to that. So so there will be at some point, you can go and look at all the degrees and see what the coverage is like in all these different domains. And then the last thing they've done, the, the MSC certification became a bsc certification as well so universities have got undergraduate degrees certified so that's really good in, t- in terms of a degree you know the ncsc says yes these these degrees are you know of a of a good quality and, and i'm also an assessor for the bcs and I can tell you that the rigor in which they go through that assessment is is incredibly high. Um, you know, you have to be really good to pass muster on that. And then the last thing they've just announced or just done is the academic centres of uh, cybersecurity education. And again, Lancaster's very uh, fortunate to to apply and get get that. And what that means is a, an internal commitment to trying to do cybersecurity right at the university not just with its own staff, but trying to teach cybersecurity more broadly across campus in other disciplines, and then um, also engaging with the community. So we primarily got that on our work with business and engaging uh, and teaching business around cyber innovation. And uh, hopefully we're gonna do some more sort of public engagement work, particularly in schools around, around that, to try and help prime the sort of career pathway earlier than the master's degree. That was a very long-winded way of explaining that, but hopefully that's okay.
0: (laughs) No, that's good. That's good. And it's interesting to hear you say, uh, looking to prime the career path earlier than master's degree, what work is being done in that area to, to bring things back and get people interested in cyber kind of before the very end of a lot of people's academic career?
1: Well, it's, yeah. So one of the things that we're going to try to start doing at the university is to really reach out a little bit more into other programs and start to teach them about the importance of cybersecurity i mean it's it's one of those things that you can't there are no really no jobs that don't have some sort of digital underpinning these days and if as soon as you've got that there's a protective measure that you have to you have to have right um, and it, it, uh, I think it's the only way we're going to win this battle. Is it can't be 300, right? It's, it's not 300 people, not that we're all wearing line costs and stuff, but 300 <laughs> people at a pass holding back the tides, right? That can't be how cybersecurity works. It's got to be everybody contributing and doing a little bit. Sure, you've got to have some heroes to kind of take the lead and, 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 and protect, but everybody's got to do their part. We can't, as individuals, I think, within, within a digitally literate society, just kind of shirk our responsibility. Because if our home systems get compromised, they join something, a botnet, that then attacks somebody else. You know, we, we need to do, do our bit to protect everybody. Um, and so one of the things we're looking to do is say, well, actually, how can we you know, work with some of the other departments and say, well, actually, this is what you kind of need to know when you go into that job. These are the types of things you should question. These are the types of things that you should do. And importantly, you know, you should be asking. One of the questions you should be asking yourself is, do I really want to work for a firm that doesn't care about the data, the infrastructure that it has? But we need to be able to instill in those those individuals to be able to understand how to make that assessment. Uh, so that's one of the things that that, that we're doing because I think it's it's quite important that we we support individuals to be able to make those types of decisions and, and just giving them its this isn't about okay going into you know a florist and going what type of firewall you've got right it, <laughs> it's about going in and going oh have you done the patches or you know uh, do, do, do what do you do about cybersecurity, or or more importantly what do you do about your customer database right or your customer list how do you how do you look after that because that tells you how you're looking at that company's looking after its customers right um, and just by starting to ask those questions or priming to ask those questions, I think we'll start to see a bigger change in terms of, you know, across across society, particularly when people are going for jobs.
0: So it's not just a case of uh, going into other roles and trying to poach people into cybersecurity, then it's it's a case of making them cyber aware within the roles they're interested in.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's really important. So take, take like a law firm, right? Law firms are kind of interesting because... We've seen a steady increase in, in them being targeted because actually they are trusted interlocutors for sending money around you're going to buy a house and it's going to go through on the friday and you're going to pick up the keys on the saturday you know it's a hundred thousand pounds change the bank account details it's all yours right so so you can't you've got that it shouldn't just be about those those few in that law firm holding back the tides if everybody was us starting to ask questions around spam about what are we doing here or and and particularly if we can empower them to answer, ask those questions inside their business then that starts to challenge the culture within the organization cybersecurity is a cultural issue within organizations and and if we only take one vantage point and try and direct from that one vantage point of the people who run the IT which is generally the case then you know, it's going to it is and it has proven to be very hard. But if we can get all the lawyers or all the administrators or all the managers going, I did this thing in this course, or maybe I should ask about what happens to the, the 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 email addresses of the people. Maybe I should ask about how we this doesn't seem right. Maybe I should ask about how we actually do financial information changes. You know, all of a sudden the culture starts to shift because people are empowered to question And they have the the right tools to question. And then you get response and things improve. Well, maybe I'm being idealistic, but that's the kind of thing that I think about.
0: No, I I think it it is fair, especially given the fact that my experience working with roles outside of uh, cybersecurity roles is that there is quite a disconnect between what cybersecurity professionals think occurs and what, everybody else thinks occurs you know think of uh, a stereotype for example you know cybersecurity awareness training where cybersecurity professional go into a company and say don't click links and emails and everyone will go okay great yeah you do realize that clicking links and emails is a fundamentally huge part of my job mm-hmm. and and very often we don't don't give guidance on what they should do it's just a list of don't do these things without context without alternatives and without discussion
1: yeah, it's and and we are. You're lucky if you get actually get a human being. It's normally some sort of hideous online cybersecurity training, probably sent to you by a link that doesn't look very convincing. Please click here so you can do your cybersecurity training. That's a classic one, yeah, <laughs> phishing phishing attempt. And, and also, it's the perception of technology, right? So I'm a let's let's say I'm I'm a history grad, and I'm going to go and go and do some sort of role not necessarily in history but in in humanities within within an organization you know i turn up i get a laptop that's my tool but i don't necessarily you know i won't necessarily understand 100 percent of how it works i don't even have the ability to be able to ask the questions about is this appropriate for the role that i'm going to be doing in terms of the protection that it has i'm going to have all of my you know access to my customer database on it right well the company's customer database on it i don't want you to understand about the database but i just you know want you to go what what are we doing to protect all these hundreds of thousands of people that i have access to you know and, and just that one question get more more people asking it that one question could could really change the nature and the power of the protection that we have in organizations
0: yeah, I think that is a big thing, and it's it's one of those things that's like societally important as well, isn't it? It's not just important for for those individuals, but it has a, a bigger level of importance.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you know, one of the things I've been thinking a little bit about schools programs recently, and, and a lot of the schools programs I see are are really focused on getting cybersecurity experts, right? And that's great. What I well the way I'm thinking about it is can we get those kids to go home and say when they're sitting there and the, you know, the windows update pops up and you haven't updated in three years, whatever it might be, (laughs) you know, go, mum, dad, we need need to fix this, right? Or just them having self-awareness that they, you know, maybe they just put that hesitant caution in. They don't want to select that. Just they don't want to have that app or they don't want to download that app just to kind of, put that little hiccup in the adoption of something just so they start to question. So, so they start, they're used to that. That would be dramatically, that would have a dramatic impact. I mean, various surveys, it's always the, the top five things, or top four or five things are, are still the same things. Going back to earlier questions, the, the weaknesses, no, not patching. Everybody can do everything on systems, answering spam email, not being aware of what spam email is these are all the kind of the standard top four or five that have been around for, for decades. And we still haven't fixed a lot of these. The very fact it's been around for 20 years tells us that there is either no e- economic incentive for a technological solution, or the technological solutions that we're putting in place are not being culturally adopted. And so we need to think differently about the way in which we try and get the cybersecurity change that we need. And I think that it's not, for me, it's not about training everybody to be cybersecurity que- uh, experts, it's about getting them to just start to question.
0: Increasing the, the baseline, isn't it? Increasing yeah. the overall average.
1: And uh, just to stop and think before they act, because it's everything on the electronic systems, you know, computers, phones, is designed to make you respond very, very quickly, right? And, it, and if we can create, just like I say, that hiccup in the response, just to get them to think before they tap whatever it is they want to get to, I think that that, that will help.
0: You mentioned uh, trying to work back from the master's degree and get involved earlier. And then you also mentioned school programs there. How old are you Are you looking at getting people introduced into cybersecurity? Are we pushing back from master's to undergrad or is it much further than that?
1: Well, I guess it depends on what we, like I say, what we mean by cybersecurity. So, like I, I wouldn't necessarily want to take a six-year-old and say train them up in in cryptography, right? That's not that's that's not going to work. But I think it's important that they become, yeah, you know, that we move earlier to make the children aware that cybersecurity is a profession, right? It is a thing, and it's not necessarily what they see on TV. But an exciting thing on a on TV it may be the way into it. I mean. Well I got into computers because of Tron right and um <laughs> and it, it, anyway it's it's one of the things I was watching some cartoons with my kids, and pretty much all the main characters get in anywhere via hacking through something right that's just how they like you know r two d two is one of the greatest hackers in the in, in the galaxy He gets through any door so so it, it's interesting how much that kind of thing uh, is, is, is permeating through uh, media for children. But I think it's important to say, well, actually, you could be this. This is what you could do and, and get, get a bit more understanding. But that's only going to come when we understand the profession a little bit more ourselves. right? We're still going through the process of it's not just about pen testers and forensics people. You know, there are a range of roles in which you can do. Certainly as they mature, they get older, they get wiser, they have more knowledge. There are lots of things that we can, we can teach them and, and particularly around computer science and, and the foundation and, and security from there. But I think more importantly is in the same way that we have kind of classes on what's called public health, society, ethics, that type of stuff that kind of used to be lumped in a little bit with RE, actually we're getting children to start to ask those kind of questions around online use, who they're talking to, getting them to question. It's not about them becoming cybersecurity experts. It's about getting them to become aware of the security that's required for them to exist in a digital world.
0: So we've mentioned uh, the work the university does, and we've mentioned uh, getting involved with schools and things like that. But how does the university engage with the industry and with companies?
1: So, well, this, this is one of the things I've been leading on for the university for for quite a while now and we've set up two projects called called the cyber foundries one in greater manchester in collaboration with the university of manchester manchester met and salford and then one just in lancashire and and the whole idea between but behind that is to get businesses to think differently about what cybersecurity is um so I've been working with I've been working with businesses for a long time and as a startup business the two things you don't really want to hear are it's going to cost you money and it's a risk right Yeah yeah but businesses want to know how they can save money and how they can grow right what the opportunities are particularly you know smaller sized businesses So when you go to them and talk to them about or oh, the classic message you've got to do cybersecurity because you're going to lose money but it's going to cost you right you know, it's a risk and it's, and it's going to cost you bottom line. And they're like, that's not what I want to know about, right? They know they need to do it. Everybody's talking about it, but they just, they're, they're too interested in it. They didn't get into business to deal with risks. They got into business because they're excited about the opportunities, right? Uh, and so the core of the Cyber Foundry Program is to think about how do we take cybersecurity and turn it into a, an enabler for business? How do we turn it into something that can help the business grow and innovate? And so, stolen. Two ideas from, or the, the core idea of cybercrime. Um, so cybercrime, you talk about cyber-enabled and cyber-dependent, right? Cyber-enabled uh, crime is you know using technology to enhance your ability to perform criminality, and cyber-dependent is the stuff that can only happen on computers. So like writing malware, and so we talk about cyber-enabled and cyber-dependent innovation. So thinking about how using cybersecurity. In, in terms of cyber enabled, can you do more? And the classic example is when DDPR came in, uh, the, one of the risk mitigation factors was, well, get rid of all your records, right? The less records you have, the less risk you've got. Like less customer records you've got, the less risk you've got. And so a big bit of advice that went around was get rid of all your records. The problem is all your big data analytics go out the window because you can't, you're not doing, you, you don't have the data set to be able to, to perform your, your analysis over.
0: That feels so much like the, the. I'm not saying bad, I'm just saying old security advice of like reducing your attack surface, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just like, just have less stuff. Yeah. If you've yeah. got less stuff, less things to be attacked.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, but what, what, the way we then pitch this is if you use cyber enabled innovation, well, what we're talking about here is protecting those records so you can hold more of them. So that means you can do more analysis, which means you can be better than your, your, your competitor, right? Uh, And then we start to talk about uh, cyber dependent and that's really, well, where do we, where can we use technology, particularly technology that's focused on things like cryptography, authentication, uh, authorization, those types of core cybersecurity principles, if you want, if you like, from a systems perspective to build new products and services. And and again, the, the example we use is find my phone or find my friend, right? You know, ostensibly that's a application to allow you to find something. But it wouldn't work without the cryptography that underpins it, because it protects you from Apple or Google or whoever finding your location, and it protects you from other people finding your location. So then you go, well, actually, could you develop a cryptographically secure thing for Find My Parcel, right? Or, you know, and and there's a bunch of stuff there that you can use this underlying technology for to innovate traditional things like posts, like locks, you know, like florists, whatever it might be, um, how do you either take the existing cybersecurity approach, you know, classic cyber essentials, something like that, and use that as part of your strategic advantage to grow your business? Or how do you take a, you know, a piece of cybersecurity technology rooted in cryptography, rooted in authorization, authentication, or or, or something else? And build a new system or service it to, to again enhance and differentiate you. Now you've changed the narrative, right? Narrative isn't around protection, costs, you know risk. it's around how do we use this to grow, innovate, bring more money in. And we take people through a, um, take companies through a, a structured program to get them to think about that, give them a bunch of business tools, but root it in cybersecurity to get thinking about how they can use cybersecurity for innovation and growth, not just for protection.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. So Dan, that is all of the questions that I had. Uh, was there any last minute things you wanted to throw out or do you want to uh, let the audience know how they can find more out about the work that you do? Uh,
1: most of the, the stuff uh, about the university is on the university website. Yeah, just go to www.lancaster.ac.uk forward slash cyber That'll take you to our cybersecurity research center. From there, you can jump off onto all the different activities that we've got uh, I guess the only other thing to to kind of say is, I mean most people listening to this are probably interested in cybersecurity anyway, but if they are just getting interested in it, I'd strongly advocate jumping in both feet. It's a really interesting field, lots to learn, lots to lots to explore, and lots of really interesting people to to talk to.
0: Awesome, Dan, thanks for being on. Thank you very much the <laughs> public,